Hello, everyone, and welcome to the We Are Children's Division podcast. We've got a great topic today, a great group of people here today. But as always, I want to say hello first to our communications guru, Ashton Kiever. Ashton, how are you today? I am great, Daryl. Looking forward to the weather going back to the fall. It, it will be cooler. it will be coming late. So those of you who are listening to this, it's some cooler season than we're in right now. Uh, this is the summer that would not end, and so uh, it's it's really it's really been been something. In fact, I had an air conditioner guy come today, so that's that's really that's really something. Uh, and we're here we're t- today. Uh, today we are talking about the issue of uh, our faith-based partnerships. This is a great, great conversation to have. And of course, if we're going to have this conversation, we have to have our children's division person uh, here who is uh, Vicki Stoneberger. Uh, Vicki, uh, hello. How are you today? I am fine. And I agree with Ashton. I am ready for the fall. Yeah, well, the, the people are probably listening to this in the fall. They're probably thinking, man, I wish I could go back to where they were. You know, I really <laughs> will. Our, our special guests today are uh, or jo- George Fulgham and David Birch from uh, Missouri Baptist Children's Home. I am so excited to, to be here talking to them because I want to be them when I grow up. I mean, the, the stuff they do, uh, you know, it's, it's where they're, they're, they're basically applying uh, their faith and their values to taking care of kids and families. That is that is awesome work. So uh, welcome to you both. How are, how are you doing today? George, how are you? you know what? I'm doing fantastic. It's an honor to be here and always glad to serve. Uh, th- thanks for being here. David, how, how are you? Doing great. And I'm excited to be here to talk to you and, and Vicki. And I love the work that Vicki has done over the years of just kind of coordinating the faith-based efforts around the state. So excited to talk about it. Well, thank you, David. And you know what? That's a great segue for me because the first thing I really want to do is for those who don't know, we've done a podcast on this before. Uh, but just briefly, Vicki, why don't you tell us about Children's Division's faith-based initiative and what it what it is and what it does? Uh, why, why don't you describe that to us? Sure. So our faith-based initiative has actually been around for quite a while. Um, It started with uh, President Bush, and then it kind of came directly to Missouri, where Governor Blunt um, was really involved with it. And what he had stated was he designated each circuit to have some kind of a representative with our faith base. And the goal really was is to partner with our faith-based initiative partners. And together we would provide services to our children and families. You know, it's not one person's mission, it's together. And so we have been working very hard together um, to provide these services. And I can say that, you know, I've been in my position for almost seven years now and um, Missouri Baptist Children's Home has continued to work with us, and and they were working with us even before I got into this position. So this is one of our faith-based partners that has just really dove in, and our goal is to set up services so that we can surround the families and children for future use um, when Children's Division is out. You know, we don't want to have to be in a family's life more than what we have to, but we want to set up supports that they can turn to in the future. Well, thank you, Vicki. I think that, that describes it perfectly, and I, I, I will tell you all that I 
I appeared at the children's division uh, a little while ago now and and uh, as a director. And when I found out the great work that Vicki was doing and and the great tasks that they were undertaking and the partnerships they were forming, uh, it was it was just terrific. And I've seen it all over the state. I've talked to people. Uh, and again, Missouri Baptist Children's Home has been right up front with this uh, other uh, in other communities, it's it's a whole coalition of churches. Of course, I've I've talked with folks uh, across the state, really from uh, from the archdiocese. Uh, I think there's a lot of interest in the in the Catholic community to, to help us, uh, and individual churches, non-denominational churches, just uh, para uh, you know you know sort sort of parachurch groups that are that are uh, not a church like 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 Care Portal, which we'll probably hear about some about Care Portal because I know Missouri Baptist Children's Home has has had some partnership with with them so uh so what i want to do is i want i want uh for for uh for david and george i think i'll probably rotate you know but which one of you goes first when we when we talk because that's, that's what i do so so david you get to go first next i guess and and uh kind of ask who you are and how you got to where you are at, at missouri baptist children's home so how did how did you wind up at missouri baptist children's home david how did that happen to you <laughs> well <clears throat> That's kind of a long story, so I'm, I'm not going to go through that. Well, the Reader, the Reader's oh, Digest story, version, but... you know, just the the the, uh, <laughs> the the Reader's Digest version. You didn't wake up there one day. What what led you? What led you to this work? Well, I had a I had a background in church ministry, uh, youth ministry, and uh, when I did my graduate work, I thought I'd just stay doing that, and I think God had other ideas, and I went to work for an agency in Fort Worth, Texas, doing treatment foster care. And uh, <clears throat> I moved to Missouri, back to Missouri, because that's where my wife was from, uh, because her dad had some health issues. And when I moved back, I came to work for NBCH, and that was in November of 2000. So I'm coming up on my 23rd anniversary of working for NBCH. And I have done a, a wide variety. I've had a wide variety of opportunity to impact the lives of kids and families and work with work with the faith community. The uh, the beginning for me at NBCH, I was a, uh, a specialist uh, training foster, you know, potential foster homes and writing home studies. So back then it was STARS training and, and home studies. And then I supervised for a while. And then I was an assistant director. And then I was a director. And then I was a regional VP. And so I most of my career with NBCH, um, much of it, I was also bivocational church staff. Um, and while doing a variety of different things, it all seemed, it was all mainly program focused, helping, helping with the management of programs around the state. And the, um, the change in that came for me in 2019. We had been really as an agency for about a year, year and a half. And George and I were, were part of an initiative that got going that a team of folks across the state began to meet and just pray about how could NBCH engage the church at a deeper level. Um, we had always, that's how we got our start. You know, in 1886, some ladies from Baptist churches came together and formed the Missouri Baptist Children's Home to care for abandoned infants in the city of St. Louis. That's that's how we started. But so we've never veered away from our faith base and we've never veered away from from being supported by the churches and being prayed for by the churches. And of course, over the years, we've gone to many, many churches asking them to 
give it to your families for foster parents. And but, but we started looking at it from the standpoint of, you know, could we do a better job engaging with the church and actually having volunteers from the churches be part of our work and engage with us in the work that we do to restore children and families that are at risk? And could we potentially equip children and families? Because we know that in our culture today, many times they're dealing with many of the same children that we're serving. And so, you know, I, I don't think there's a church out there that would argue that the scripture doesn't command them to care for the vulnerable. Um, we could talk about Matthew 25 when Jesus uh, basically said, when you when you care for the least of these, it's like you did it to me. Um, we wouldn't have a church that would say, no, no, we don't want to we don't want to serve the least of these. They all want that. They just don't necessarily know how to do that and where to get connected to do that and how to get equipped to do that. And so that's been kind of part of our church engagement initiative. And in 2019, our president asked me to launch that initiative. And so I am the first uh, church engagement strategist for MBCH. Yeah, that's pretty, that's, that's, Pretty amazing, really, because it really uh, kind of corresponds with the times when I was, you know, I was in Jefferson County and I was yeah. looking for foster homes. I, I, I was a, I was a judge, and we, we didn't have any foster homes. I thought the churches, the least of these again, right? Uh, Absolutely, the Good Samaritan. You know, you don't leave that kid laying there. You go do right. something. And so, you, uh, so uh, I, I started recruiting at churches, and I had just completed that about the time that you started this. And then when I, and then when I came to Children's Division, you know, one of the first one of the first people I got a chance to really sit down and have a long talk with was, was, uh, was David Birch. And I, I'll tell you all, I can't, I can't express enough how much I appreciated his encouragement and his prayers and his, you know, just the spirit with which he, he comes at this. And so I was really, I, again, I was really excited. I get to, I get to introduce all of our folks uh, to David Birch. I, I think that's a, that's a, because <laughs> I think he's a, he's a cool guy to know uh, and a huge encouragement and has the heart to do the stuff that we really are trying to do uh, here. And so, and I met George when I was in St. Louis uh, recently. Uh, George, why don't you tell us about yourself and how how you wound up at, at Missouri Baptist Children's Home and, and uh, the things you do. Okay, well, thank you so much for the opportunity to tell a little bit about my story. I'll be like Pastor David and just give you the uh, abridged version. Uh, I am a um, early retired sales executive that was called into the ministry, and um, I was not pastoring at the time when a friend of mine who was a pastor and a friend of the agency was scheduled to um, lead our staff on our Bridgeton campus in a chapel service. He was called away and asked me if I could substitute for him at the last minute, so I call it a holy accident. Um, I came and just had the privilege of just leading our staff here, really just in in, in worship and in prayer. And um, I was really just, you know, moved about, you know, how involved they were in the worship and afterwards how there was hugging and even tears. And I didn't know that there was an issue that they had been wrestling with that God had given me the perfect message for. And so it was uh, an unexpected um uh, what do they call it? Um, so I, I didn't know I was auditioning for a, a job opening, but they had an open spotted spiritual life director 
So about a month later, and this is back in 2007, that's when I became part of uh, the agency. And I've always had a heart for children. Uh, my mother had a heart for children, for foster kids, uh, adopting kids. Uh, I'm a father. I'm also a grandfather now. And so uh, I've enjoyed that time uh, as spiritual life director. And uh, it was during that very first year that I went to my first what is now faith-based initiative gathering in, in Jefferson City. And I was just encouraged and amazed and amazed by the faith-based uh, community coming together to support children's division. And so, um, and that's one of the many reasons why uh, I just feel so strongly about the importance of, of our partnership. Uh, for your listeners that cannot see me, uh, I am an African-American pastor, and many people, I mean, and statistics would show that many African-American kids are the ones that actually end up in care. And sometimes uh, within our community, there is a misconception that Children's Division actually wants to take our children, and this is certainly not true. <laughs> And and so I, I see myself really as an ambassador, you know, for all of our communities, uh, as well as encouraging our city staff. But I'll say that for the next round of questions. So. Well, thank you, George. I know that, uh, you know, there, there's a lot in there in, in what you just what you just relayed that is just right on point with our reforms and the things we're trying to do because uh, Missouri historically has just taken too many kids into foster care. I mean, we've just got outrageous numbers of kids per capita compared with similarly sized states. And we've got disparate impact for minorities. And, uh, you know, it's it's both of those things. And those things kind of tie together, right? Because you're, you're, you're taking whatever preconceived notion or perception you have and you're acting on it without without stopping for a minute and thinking about what are the alternatives. And I think the exciting thing about us engaging the church community is, is an alternative to get help from the church down the street because the church down the street offers help. Uh, and that, and that I think is a game changer for us if we can uh, actually do and make that happen. So, uh, so I know churches, individual churches are doing that, right? That David, that's kind of, that's kind of uh, your focus. And then you've got the whole organization is doing things. So uh, what are exciting things right now happening at Missouri Baptist Children's Home that, uh, that you think is connected to the work that we're doing here at Children's Division? Well, Daryl, there's, there's a lot going on and, it, you know, we have for years been a part of the foster care case management movement with, with uh, Missouri. And so, We've done some expansion on that in the St. Louis area, and we continue to do that statewide. But at the same time, you know, as we produce foster homes, as we try to work with churches, we're always looking for new ways to get the church engaged. Uh, how can the church community get engaged in the lives of kids and families? You know, we think about the kids and families that we serve, if they're connected in some way to the child welfare system, Many times those families just don't have the kind of connections that you and I have. Uh, I, I refer to it as social capital. You know, my social capital is who I know and what I know, kind of what I bring to the table. It's it's where I go when I, you know, my car breaks down or my basement floods or I, I have an issue in life. I have a list of people that I can contact. But many of the families that are impacted by child welfare, they don't they don't have that support system. They don't have those connections or that social capital. 
And so when we look for ways to engage the church, we, we're always looking for ways um, to build relationships. Um, Karen Purvis with Trust-Based Relational Intervention, uh, TBRI, said relationships heal what relationships hurt. And we've got families with a lot of trauma and a lot of hardship and a lot of um, whether they're been impacted by poverty or addiction or other things, they're dealing with some really, really hard things, but they don't have the kind of support system they need. And so we look for ways, can we get them connected to develop relationships uh, with people in their community? And one of the things that we have fairly recently done, um, it's it's not as recent as it was, obviously, but I keep, I keep looking at it thinking, gosh, we've been doing this longer than I thought, but we became, um, gosh, I don't know, George, maybe about a year ago, we became an implementing partner with a technology group called the Care Portal. And uh, Care Portal is just that. It's a technology platform. They don't, they don't do work with kids and families directly. They develop technology, and uh, we became an implementing partner. Care Portal would define itself as technology that drives action for kids and families in crisis. So when we implement Care Portal, we recruit really kind of two sides. We recruit churches to sign up to um, see the needs of kids and families in crisis right in their community. We recruit uh, and train Children's Vision staff and other nonprofit agency staff and schools that can uh, put vetted needs into the Care Portal system. Every need that goes in is a child-centered need. It's also a vetted need. We know it's legitimate. We know there are professionals working with that situation, and they're the ones who are trained to be able to put those vetted needs in the system. So once they go in the system, then they go out to the whole network. And that network consists of lots of lots of churches, some individuals, some businesses. But those churches, every time, if I'm in XYZ Church in Jeff City, Missouri, every time a request goes in in my geographic area, because the system works on geolocation and by zip code. So if I'm in Jeff City, I don't see needs in Springfield or St. Louis. I just see needs kind of in my neighborhood in my back door. So every time a need goes in, if I'm the point person at that church, then I get an email from the care portal system. So I can, I don't have to be constantly logging in and looking at my dashboard in the system. I get constantly notified and I can work with my church then to uh, meet what, what um, we would call a tier one physical need in care portal. And the beauty of it is Care Portal keeps the church at the point of care. So if, if the need is we have a grandmother, Children's Vision says, we have a grandmother that wants to take her grandson in, but she doesn't have a bed. We need a twin bed. Well, I'm with the church and I say, I click the button, yes, I can help. And I get connected with the worker that put that need in there. Then my church gets to go out and deliver that bed and just love on that grandmother and tell her how much we appreciate the fact that she's willing to take her in her grandson and how important we realize that is. And we're praying for her. We want to do anything we can to support her. We're going to come in and set this bed up for you. Is there anything else you need from us? Can, can we pray with you? Uh, just it, 
it takes a physical need and it creates a relational opportunity. And that relational opportunity can springboard into all sorts of different things, but it, it might springboard into the fact that now grandma knows some people that really do genuinely care about her and want to help her when she runs into a problem again. And so Care Portal for me is probably one of the newer, more exciting things that we've gotten involved with. We're doing a lot of other things as well, but um, that's one of the that's one of the newer, exciting things that that uh, I'll start with anyway. Well, and it's a good one to start with because everybody's talking about it. I mean, when you are out in the field and you talk with people about, you know, about, gee, we've got needs, it says, well, I've heard of Care Portal. And they've talked to Care Portal. And, they, and it's almost as if Care Portal is a thing of its own, but it's yeah. not. It's not <laughs> its own thing. It's a. Uh, it's a connector of things, right? Yes. I mean, Vicki, am I am I describing right correctly? I think how our people are seeing it. Care portal is they, they, care portal comes to the rescue, but really they 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 don't they they call the people to come to the rescue in a sense, right. or, or let the people right. That, that's yeah. that's your understanding of that. It is, and I think what's wonderful about that is is that's just one of the many things that we have um, to offer our families. So, you know, I always get very excited about, you know, churches and faith-based partners that come to our meetings and say, I want to help, but I don't know what to do. And then I try and connect them with the local agency because then children's division can call them and say, well, they, these are our needs. And so a lot of times we have our partners saying, I want to help, but I don't know what you need. So we need our children's division staff to connect and form those partnerships to say, this is what we need. Well, and you know, to, to David's point, you don't, you know, you don't form a partnership with a, with a computer portal. You just don't, at right. least not a good one. Right. You don't, it's, it's, not, people, it's not, it's not <laughs> relationships that he had said. Yeah, it's, it's not deep and enriching, even if it's got artificial intelligence, you're just not bonding with, you know, with a computer portal. But uh, if you are, it's a science fiction movie and it's a little strange, uh, but if, if uh, if it's connecting you to people with whom you you can make build that connection, so that we we've not only gotten that person a day a bed right, David. We've gotten that person, we've gotten that person a a connection to a new person right. in order to build their capital, build that social exactly. capital, right? And and we and we all we all need it. We all need giant networks of folks that upon whom we can rely. Mm -hmm. And if we if we don't have it, we got a we got a real thing. Now that's. And they've been active on the eastern side of the, I mean, the western side of the state, and now it's it's moving across, right? So we're starting to do more care portal stuff in St. Louis because of in the St. Louis area because that's mm -hmm. where Missouri Baptist Children's Homes based. Although you, it's everywhere, and you're in Springfield, I mean, there's a good there's a good presence there. So that we're we are uh, we're beginning we're getting started there, is my understanding, right? We're beginning to to do that in that space. George, you are there in the St. Louis area. I mean, can you speak to sort of what the needs are and what Care Portal might be able to do in that region? The, the need is great. And in fact, uh, we accepted invitation from the St. Louis uh, Children's Division folk here in St. Louis to really talk about uh, Care Portal uh, at a monthly staff meeting. And so uh, they were very generous with, with their time for us. And they had lots of really great questions about what Care Portal is and what it is not. They're very, very excited to hear about, you know, how it works. 
And so uh, there is such a great need in, in this community. And so uh, lots of opportunity. Uh, our challenge, and one of the challenges that I gave to the CD workers that were in that particular room, now they understand that, you know, in NBCH as well as Care Portal, we are, you know, faith-based uh, organizations, but we simply want to make a difference for Missouri's children. Uh, but many of those workers are also members of churches, and I challenged them. I said, why can't your church family also be part of the solution? Think about what it would be like church, and there's a group within your church that knows exactly the impact, the positive impact you are making because they are also part of the solution. I can see heads nodding and they're looking at each other going like, you're absolutely right. And then when I was able to share with them really about the willingness of local churches, and David could also speak a lot more on this, to really just come in and to, you know, bring buy them lunch one day or perhaps to decorate a, a break room because they have a very high stressful job. Um, and once again, they were like, someone cares about us. That's not us. That this is amazing. And I said, yes, the, the faith-based community, it's it's a partnership because these are all of our children. Yeah, that is that is completely consistent with my experience. When I went around to the churches in Jefferson County, uh, people were wanting to know. First of all, they did not know the need. And when they did know the need, people yeah. wanted to help. And it was it was one of the most it was one of the most uh, profound experiences, really, of, of I think my adult life was uh, intersecting with all those churches, all those people in those churches of different denominations and different backgrounds, all singing from the same hymnal, as our director, Robert Nodell, often says. We were all doing that and that, man, we want to help kids. We want to help families and we want to make a we want to make a difference and and meet whatever the need is and that might be different from one place to the other uh and i know our people our our folks uh see it and really appreciate it vicky i'm i'm, I'm right about that what do you what do you think you are totally right and i've been so surprised through the last seven years in this position of all of the different kinds of services we have faith-based partners doing supervised visits helping parents or helping transport parents. Um, they're offering support groups to our families like Celebrate Recovery, offering you know, training locations. They're recruiting with us for foster and adoptive families and just really in a lot of ways providing um, with physical and financial needs of our families. So there is just so much going on and I just keep hearing from our staff a lot of our success stories that, you know, the, the goal is to surround these families and these children with people and, and friendships. And that, you know, I'm hearing those success stories that when we do step out and that family um, is faced again with some another crisis or some issues, they're going to those faith-based partners and getting the help before. And I mean, I think that's what a lot of our proactive part is with with our reform you know being proactive so we can put 
services in there so we don't have to take a child into foster care or we're limiting the time in foster care. We're just, we're building that base. And I've just been so amazed of all the different kind of services that we can provide our families and our children's through this. So Vicki, I think it's really, uh, it's really interesting that you mentioned the idea that people are voluntarily going to these spaces after they've seen that there is help there because they, people don't, often voluntarily come to us, the government, because they're afraid of us because we're Correct. as being people who take your children away and might not give them back, uh, which in some instances is true, right? So they've got right. a reason to think that. Missouri Baptist Children's Home doesn't do that. You know, Care Portal doesn't do that. Uh, you know, community church down the street, uh, the 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 you know the, the St. Louis area archdiocese none none of those people do that but they do offer serve ministries and help and support and community to people and that's uh, and that's where that's where there's a whole lot of juice and you know you mentioned you you mentioned before I, I think might have been might have been uh, you George talking about how all these people that you met they have church they have church families you know themselves some of them do well you know children's division has a lot of employees and uh, some of them some of them uh, some of them have a, a faith a faith life and some had have, have, go a different way but the thing is is there's a whole bunch of people that they could go into their church and I know they have I've heard that they, hey what can we do do for for our community we need we need a celebrate recovery group we need a uh, we need a we need a clothes pantry for uh, foster parents we need you know that all kinds of needs that get met organically that we can't sit in Jefferson City and think about and ponder and come up with it's 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 in that space where somebody sees it or moved to do something about it called to do something about it uh, there there and and they do it and that's and that's uh, and that's organic. I mean, I think that's something that we can't necessarily plan or grow or build ourselves. It's 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 something we got to be available and open. But wow, how exciting it is if that happens. George, you got a thought? Well, I, I do, because this is really a, a win win because uh, and I'm currently operating as a bivocational pastor in St. Louis City. And I can speak really for all of my brothers and sisters in that particular role in that the um, needs and the request on the church for different types of benevolence help is only growing. And most of our churches aren't big mega churches. They're either medium or primarily smaller churches. And so they have two issues and two pushbacks. And the first one is that, well, we're so small you know, we only have so much in terms of budget that we could assign to help somebody. You know, we're not sure we can make much of a difference, number one. And then number two, you know, a lot of the requests we come, that come to us, we're not sure, you know, is this a legitimate request or are we being scammed? You know, we want to be good stewards of God's money. And that's why the model that Pastor David just described for Care Portal is so great because all of the needs, first of all, are vetted. And secondly, the church individually doesn't have to meet the entire need by themselves. They can simply be part of the answer combined with other churches and community partners. Um, so that's really great. And then there's some, there's there's another need that the church is really wrestling with right now. And it's gotten a lot of publicity. And it could be one reason why 
even uh, attendance has declined in some churches is because of all of the news about sexual abuse within the church. And so this is a, a real issue. It is one of the reasons sometimes why some of our kids and youth find themselves in state custody. And so, you know, wouldn't it be great if we could prevent that and also help churches to develop a reputation within their community of being an answer or a solution or a prevention partner. And so that's another ministry that we have partnered with at NBCH and it's called Stewards of Children. Uh, that's the name of a workshop uh, that has been put together by an organization called Darkness to Light. In fact, they have just refreshed their training. Uh, what Stewards of Children training does uh, over a two and a half hour workshop that we uh, and other trained facilitators across the state uh, will conduct for free is that we help those participants to really learn the facts about sexual abuse, how to minimize the opportunity, not only on their campus, but in their homes and wherever they go, um, giving them language on how to talk about it, you know, with children and youth of any age, to recognize the signs of possible abuse, and finally, how to react in a very responsible way so that we don't add trauma to the trauma that perhaps they have already experienced. So in this, we're really working in partnership with you know, your CACs in, in making sure that we can minimize the hurt. And then for those that have been hurt, make sure that they go and make use of the available resources. Well, George, that's really timely because uh, we have, just uh, added to our staff an at-risk youth coordinator that is dealing specifically with the sexual exploitation of children. Uh, and it's and the, and the legislature, the legislature uh, committed to do that, created a position, put it in our agency, uh, because a lot of our a lot of our kids that go missing, we're concerned that that happens. A, a lot of our every one of our children in foster care are at risk of this happening because we have disconnected them and they look for connections. And of course people groom and they exploit and they move into those spaces and they, they, they occupy the vacuums that we sometimes have helped create and do this. And it's, and the idea that people inside of the churches are, uh, have seen that it has happened in their own space and have addressed it and now are combating it and making sure it not only ha doesn't happen in that space, but we're going to take care of people for whom it happens in any space you know that that George is really a a uh, it's it's just it's God's work as they say you know I mean you're doing something really powerful and wonderful uh, when you do that so so we've we've heard about a couple of programs right well actually we've heard we've heard of, we've heard about we've heard about you guys touching every aspect of what we do so you know you talk about. You talk about the work you do with Care Portal. A lot of that stuff is dealing with people and their individual needs and 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 poverty. That that is on our front end, where we're doing things that are preventing children from coming into foster care. You 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 do foster care case management. Of course, was doing it in a wonderful and terrific way, dealing with the children which we do have in care. You're recruiting homes for us to send them to uh, and and training them. Uh, you know, I've 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 been part of watching that happen, and and so you and then and then our children who've been wounded and hurt and are struggling with things like sex trafficking, you've touched the whole thing. So, 
thank you for what you do. I think that uh, we should just turn you loose and uh, we can all retire. But I'm, uh, you know, I'm mostly joking, mostly. Uh, but I think that there are real, real, uh, real opportunities for us to continue to partner together in really big ways, which I'm going to ask you about in a minute before I ask Ashton. Ashton, you're always thinking, you're always thinking, you've got questions on your mind. So what, what, what's on your mind right now? I do have a question. Um, so I knew you would. Uh, <laughs> I knew you would. Uh, you always do. So um, a lot. Not everybody in CD may know this about me, but I'm actually I'm a pastor's wife. Um, my husband is a youth pastor at our local church. So um, and he's not bivocational anymore. He just does that full time now. Um, and so when I heard both of you say that you are or have been at some time bivocational in this work, you know. To me, that means you have some kind of passion for what you're doing here. Um, and I often ask this question when we're interviewing our leadership here at CD, you know, what um, kind of what's your why? What drives that passion for you? Um, I would I would love to hear a little bit more about that, because from the family perspective, um, being a pastor in itself is a huge undertaking. It's a huge job. It's a big responsibility. And it often does kind of like take you away from your family to, to serve the needs of all these other people and all these other families. So um, I think it takes a special kind of person with a lot of passion to be able to do that, let alone in your situation, you're both doing, you know, both jobs or have done both jobs. So I would just, you know, like to hear from you a little bit about what drives that passion. Where does it come from? It's a deep question, Ashton. <laughs> um, you know, Ashton asks the, those. You should listen to our other <laughs> podcasts. You can get them, David. They're on Spotify. Uh, she asks these deep, wonderful questions, and that's why I always ask before we stop anything. It's like Ashton, tell us what deep, wonderful question you have. So good, good call, Daryl. Good call, but. You know, I think the passion that drive that drove my work with the local churches is the same passion that drives my work with NBCH. I I grew up with with my own types of trauma, growing up in a home with an alcoholic father, and uh, some brokenness there in my home, and uh, found some some healing and some hope through my faith and through a local church, and was called to ministry and began to work with children and youth through local churches. And really, honestly, I thought I would spend my career as a youth pastor. Uh, it, was, it was a great job. I loved it. And uh, God just had other ideas. And I remember as I finished my, my grad school, I went to a seminary and finished, did a couple of master's degrees and, and uh, thought that I would get out and go be a, you know, youth and family pastor and, do that the rest of my life and God had other plans and and I had been very broken hearted by encountering young people that had experienced abuse and neglect as a youth pastor and uh, it was a surprising amount to me and the more I the more I learned about it the more it broke my heart and the more impassioned I became about it and so when God moved me to work with um kind of took me out of that youth ministry role and put me in a role in more of a child welfare side, all of a sudden now every child I was working with had that brokenness. And it it 
it really drove a lot of passion and uh, just just to this day is a lot of why I do what I do is because I I like to see uh, kids and families who have experienced maybe the worst of what this is in this life have opportunity to find hope and healing and forgiveness and just reach their fullest potential. Um, and so we love seeing that. We love seeing success stories, don't we? And And I love it when God's people through local churches get to be part of that success story. Wow. Yeah. George, what, what's your, what's your answer to, to, you know, we should have a podcast called deep questions with Ashton Kiefer. What's your, I like that. It would be really good. Yeah. Uh, Or it would be a Saturday night live skit. I don't know what that would be. So George, what, what, what are your, what are your thoughts regarding Ashton's question? Well, to whom much is given, much is also required. And I was blessed with a fantastic nuclear family with two believing parents. Um, I could see on either side of our family tree, you know, there was, you know, brokenness. My parents were the only ones that were literally deaf to us part um, with a strong faith. And, and they served in a local church. My mother's involved in missions as well. And they were both professionals. Um, but it was when uh, I was asked to actually, you know, essentially uh, do a kinship foster of a third cousin, and and we said no to the opportunity when our kids were young. It's one of the few regrets I had in my life because that same person who was unable to be raised in the house with my wife and with my kids, um, this person ended up being a victim of child abuse, sexual abuse, um, was thinking about taking her life and was told to call me. And after a three hour telephone call, um, she decided she would not take her life. Uh, she became a Christian. Um, she's doing well now, as well as her family. Um, and so it's just that sense of I have to help them because I've been given so much. And so it is it is a privilege, it's an honor, it's it's a calling. It's just quite frankly a calling. And being able to uh be supported by a great leader like David Birch and other people at our agency, uh, who are more trained in regards to this particular field. Um, to me, I, I think it's just simply made a great partnership and, um, I just have to do it. Thank you guys so, for, for answering that question. I just think it's important for those listening to, to know, like, I, I, I just think it, it makes you a whole person, you know? Um, and, and when you're listening in situations like this and everybody in, in that's listening to this has done some kind of hard work like that, or been involved in situations like that. I just, um, I just think it's important to, to remember like where it all started or where it's coming from, because that's, what's fueling this, this reform and rebuild of CD. I've seen it across the d- division, um, from Daryl's personal story and his connection to all of this, to to all of the 
the different stories I've heard from CD frontline workers, it's just incredible. So thank you. I just wanted to thank you both for sharing that. Well, and here's what, Ashton, here's what I think it would be good for our folks all to know is that uh, I've been to, so in Jefferson County, I, when I was recruiting those foster homes, I, I, I went to nearly 40 different churches. I've gone to a bunch of them since I've been here and I've met a whole ton of people. And here's what I'm gonna tell you. What you just heard from David and George is everywhere. I mean, people with that heart, Vicki's shaking her head for those of you who can't see it. Vicki's heard it and seen it. These people are everywhere in the churches, every place. I mean, in big ones, little ones, all kinds of, you know, all kinds of them, every denomination, they're every place. And I just think there is a giant, huge power that could be released, unleashed on the needs of these families if, if, if only they knew and if only they had those connections and if only we had those relationships because that heart, that, 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 that deep uh, desire to love and to help is all over the place. And I'm excited. I'm excited about it. So what I'm going to ask you guys to do is sort of a last question. That, yeah, Ashton often gets the last question. Now that it's a, lot, one, a deep one like that, I want for I want for all of you all, the, the three guests, Ashton and I are done talking. All right. So I'll, I'll start with Vicki. Al, and then and then George and David, I'll give you the last word, okay? So uh, if you're dreaming big, just dream big for a minute. What does our partnership, our faith-based partnership look like if 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 things just went wildly wonderful? What would it look like, Vicki? what what would what would the big dream be for you? For me, it would be number one, kids would not have to come into foster care, number one because we would be able to be proactive, get in the home, set up the services that are needed, and we're gonna have plenty of services in that family's community to be able to keep that family, keep that child in that community, to actually make a difference, to, in, in be, um, to be cheerleaders for that family and to know that they have support people and I think so many times I've seen success stories when families know that there's somebody on their side. And not only that there's somebody on their side rooting for them, but there's going to be somebody on their side in the future. So that to me would be my dream, that we would come around these families, love on them, give them the services, the, the accurate services they need from their very own communities to rely on ongoing. Great dream, Vicki. I think I think you're you're right there. George, how about how about you? What would what would the big dream be? Well, I just want to build on Vicky's dream. Um, I believe it's really important for every person that uh, really is in need of care does have someone, and I'm also going to borrow from Pastor David, that has you know social capital. Um, in fact this weekend I heard from a person from yet still another ministry that MBCH has been a partner with called Open Table, who wrecked her car and she needed a new one. And she had this, has this tiny settlement check from the insurance company. And she just needed counsel on what's a good, reliable car that I can get to meet the needs of me and my family. And you've met my kids and you know what we need. And that's, we've been going back and forth all weekend 
And, you know, I shared some things with her she never thought of in terms of, you know, saving money and reliable stuff. So I was kind of like being like when I talked to my daughter about or my kids about getting a car. So everyone needs a person that's going to uh, you, they can reach out to that's not going to judge them and will try to make themselves available. That's my dream. Beautiful, George. Thank you, David. You get to you get to tap it all off. What would dream big now? What would yeah. what would uh, what would it be? You give me the last word, Daryl. I give you. Well, I might take the last word. I'll give you the <laughs> second to the last word. Yeah. See, I knew that would happen. <laughs> hey, I appreciate so much you guys letting us just be on here and talking. I, I, I really when I dream, um, I dream about helping kind of reframe the message a little bit of the church's understanding of what NBCH does, what Children's Vision does, and helping them see the power of family. And um, Daryl, I've heard you speak a number of different times at uh, various churches and faith events. You do such a great job of illustrating how many connections are lost when a child is removed from their family, uh, telling the story of how, as a judge, you had a a little boy crying at your bench saying, I just want to be with my dog. You know, just just all the connections that those kids lose and all the trauma that happens to those families when they're separated and how powerful a family connection is for a child and, and really kind of reframing something for the church a little bit. I, I My fear is that many of our churches feel like if there's if there's a child in foster care or in the child welfare system, they're there because of severe physical or severe sexual abuse. And we know that there are those cases, but those are not the majority of the cases. And when you really start looking at the statistics of kids coming into care and you start seeing how many of those things are related to things that, you know, poverty issues or mental health issues or substance abuse issues, and you begin to look at some of those situations, you realize real quickly, I'm not looking at a family who's, I'm not looking at parents who are terrible people who don't love their child. I need to look at it and say, what happened to this family? What happened that got them in this situation? And and understand that they're broken, that there's there's brokenness in their family and they're in need of hope and, and healing and support. And that's where the local church can come in and I, I, like George, I totally just reemphasize what Vicki was saying. We've got to get go upstream and get focused on prevention. And my dream would be for, to, you know, I, I've, I've spoken to leadership at NBCA several times. I really believe that the, the sustainability long-term of the ministries of NBCH are greater partnerships with the church where we start looking at everything that we're doing and how is the church partnering with us in every program across the board, but then how can we partner with the church and provide services that prevent kids from going into foster care in the first place and that keep families intact and together? How can NBCH and the church partner and do that together? And that that would be my dream long-term is that, that um, there are, greater and longer, more sustainable, bigger partnerships with local churches all across our state. And they're getting engaged at a level that is strengthening families uh, because they believe in the power of family. 
Actually, I was just going to ask, uh, you know, what, uh, so I, maybe I'm teeing it up for you here, Daryl, what's the actionable steps that the listeners of this podcast can take to um, make those dreams a reality? Well, here's, here's what I think. I think that when people know the need, they scramble to meet them. And I, I think that uh, and 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 to let them know how important their little contribution is, and that if we did that everywhere, I am I I ask the question all the time: What if every church from every denomination in every street corner of Missouri did that? I mean, did exactly what Vicky and George and David just talked about: You meet people's needs where you find them, you know, up front in these systems. You you create those connections and social capital and those relationships you have uh, with the people when you've done that and you you actually have the mindset to see the power of family and to and to approach this David I think what I hear from you is to do it in a in a in a non-judgmental loving way if we did that and understanding you're right about our cases David is a very small fraction of our cases are actual abuse it is almost all fueled by poverty addiction and mental illness my family dealt with two of the three right and and what made the biggest difference in the world to us was a little church down the street uh, one that paid attention to us and loved us and helped us meet needs but also became family to us you know because just just really shared life with us uh we're willing to uh you know to come help work on the car to uh to help drive somewhere so you know the the big dream I think the big dream collectively is is that is that our our faith community becomes a huge partner who ultimately could completely and totally take over the idea of caring for people in a way that the foster, the child welfare system becomes largely oh, much smaller and largely irrelevant because the community uh, has got it and are caring for people and then those children don't have to lose their mom and their dad and their room and their dog and their and their and their school and their teacher and their activities and all their best friends. That's the list of things I always tell people children lose. They will lose none of that. Imagine how much better our world would be. So uh, so I just want to thank you guys for doing it. Uh, I want to thank I want to thank everybody who's uh, listening to this, who's from a faith based organization, from a church, from a from a religious group, from, uh, you know, who really take this on. Uh, based on your based on your faith, I think you're right on. Uh, and I think it's uh, and, I, and whether you know it or not, you're changing the world. Every every child kept out of foster care changes that child's world. Every child treated well in foster care changes that child's world. Every parent who's treated in a loving, non-judgmental way uh, is is impacted for life by you. So. So I guess that's my final thought, Ashton. Uh, I, I hope uh, I hope uh, you all have enjoyed uh, our podcast today. I hope you take this information and you go into your community, uh, your faith community, and share it. If you're a caseworker and you're looking for help, know that there's a care portal. Know that there's a church down the street. Know that there are people ready and willing to help you. And uh, I hope that uh, I, I hope that we will uh, really see impact of all of these initiatives we're doing. And uh, it's ex it's an exciting time. So I want to thank you all for listening to the We Are Children's Division podcast. Take care. We hope you enjoyed this episode. 
Listen to more episodes of this podcast or our newest podcast, The Call to Foster, wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to help us reach and inspire more Missourians. Thanks for listening.